to Jersey because I am going to an expo to see the housewives. <gasps> what? <laughs> oh, okay, explain to me what this is. It, it literally just kind of happened. My friend uh, Jeanette texted me and she's like, did you know that two of the housewives are going to be down the street from my house? I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, it's an expo. There's going to be food. Wait, is this the women's expo? All kinds of I don't know if it is. It's in Jersey. It's on the 2nd and the 3rd. Caroline Manzo is speaking one day and Teresa Gorga is speaking another day. Oh, my God. So you're going both days? Yes, I'm going both days. Do they sign stuff and they, like, meet people? I don't know. Is this your secret project? I'm going to get um, discussing. Is this your – was this your secret project? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was thinking about getting some Caroline Manzo books because I'm not a giant fan of Teresa. I enjoy watching her. Mm Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about getting Caroline's and sending them to a couple of friends of mine who like her too. I love that. But I'm super – I knew I would waver on the decision of going. Mm-hmm. So when she was like, let's do this, I made myself go book the tickets immediately. That's I was good. Like, I'm just going to do it right now or I'll change my mind. Yeah, you'll lose your nerve. Oh, that's so Yeah, cool. so I just did it. Oh, I'm so excited. This so, is like your Harry Potter world. Shit's about to go down. (laughs) Well, only two will be there, but I've never met any. So I'm super excited. But I don't know. Do you, any of you watch the show? I've watched. It's so weird. I always end up watching their reunion. So like I've seen the reunion for all the shows, but not the actual. I mean, that's a nice recap. Well, what's so interesting to me, and I was talking to my friend Eagle about it because she watches it, was like. Eight years ago, Caroline Manzo said about Teresa, they're both going to be there. She said, he's going to go to jail. And when he goes to jail, whatever's going to happen. And then she's going to divorce him. And when it's all said and done. So she looks like she was like the good wife throughout. And she's like, and then this is going to be a book about how she pulled through and stronger. I was like, oh my God, she's so right. It's all happening. Oh shit. So I kind of want, I kind of want to see her and talk to her, but I don't know if she'll want to talk about it. I'm like, remember when you called that shit eight years, but I bet I'll be the 10,000th person to say it yeah. to her. Yeah. But that's no, okay. you have to, you okay. have to just say it to, to her it. because you know, like how we always think if like readers come up to us and they say these most, the yeah. most amazing things to us and, mm-hmm. and they probably think the same thing. Like, so, oh, oh, probably so many people have said this. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll see. I don't know if we'll get to talk to her, get close to her, but I just cannot wait to see her. Because I think you've heard us talk about her before. I think she's like the voice of reason. 
She's the one that in owns the room. That's why she left. She owns the. I don't know how she made it on the show so long because she was like the same one, and then she turned kind of mean. But I don't think she turned mean. I think she just was like, I can't with this bullshit anymore. So she was just very blunt, and everybody thought she was mean, but she was just over it. But I'm excited. That's really exciting. Oh my god, I'm That's really excited awesome. for you. Yeah, I'm pumped. That's gonna be cool. You're gonna have a great time. I can't imagine how the food is. I bet it's gonna be so good. This housewife. I've never. Did I know what, uh, have I been to an expo or some of these reading things considered? No, I think so. If it's what I'm thinking of, my dad was an exhibitor at it last year. It's the women's expo. I'm pretty sure it was in New Jersey and it's basically just, um, like a steady stream of high powered, like women in entertainment or things like that. Authors not, there's no romance there. And actually, I was, my dad was like, you should exhibit. She's, he's like, it's all women. And he's like, this is your target audience. And there's no romance anywhere. He said, instead of going to a place where there's 45 other authors. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking of doing that. And he was like, I'll share a booth with you. Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen. Maybe I'll hand out Read Me Romance card. Yeah, do oh, it. Yes, hand out swag. Yeah. I'll send you a bag of candy. You can just give that out. But you know what it's going to be? It's going to be like food truck kind of food inside. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like that. Oh, that would yeah. be nice, though. Probably I know I'd eat the shit out of that, especially if there's a good fucking hot dog in there. Oh, we went look out. We went pumpkin picking over the weekend at, at the Queens County Farm, and there was an empanadas truck, and I was like, oh, yes. "Jesus, why isn't there Christ. one on every corner?" I don't know. They make me wet. <laughs> My mom got a like a. a pulled pork quesadilla, and I got chicken tacos, and we shared guacamole. It was just really nice, you guys. Okay, so I got, I have a couple of things I want to discuss. So they might be random topics and they don't really connect. But I went to check the post office the other day and I got a letter in the mail. I love getting stuff from the post office, by the way. Please send us whatever you want to send us. I love it and I'll talk about it on the air. So somebody sent us a note and, I, and it just said to read me romance. And I was like, okay. And it was just like a, like a greeting card kind of thing. And I opened it up in the post office and glitter goes. <gasps> everywhere <laughs> you got glitter balls i was like what the fuck but it's not like it's not like glitter glitter it's like like confetti glitter but it didn't get it wasn't like one of the bomb things it was like just in the envelope and i was like who the fuck and i opened it up and it says thank you for being a part of the fall giveaway that's all it said that was it and it wasn't and like there was a squiggly line at the bottom and i'm like i don't even know if that's a signature what the fuck is this and so, like, I get mad about it for, like, a couple of days. I'm like, who would send it? Like, that's so rude. <laughs> and then Mel sends me a message yesterday and says, hey, did we agree to do this fall thing with Aurora Rose? And I was like, oh, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> she did it. Like, she was sending a thank you note because I sent her a signed book to put in her fall giveaway on Aurora Rose's Instagram. She did like an author hop where it's on there. And I was like, well, now I'm the asshole who was mad at her for sending this sweet note. But it was just a thanks for the giveaway. And her signature looks like an A, like Aurora Rose. So it was just like A, circle, circle, and that was it. So I know that was that was my, my letter bomb thing that we got the other day. But please feel free to send stuff that's not a glitter bomb. To Do you want to give office. them the P.O box now just so that they can hear it on the air because some sure do you know it yeah it's p.o box 2388 albemarle a-l-b-e-m-a-r-l-e north carolina 28002 
That's it. Send us stuff. Did I tell you guys that there is a teacher at my, at my daughter's school who's on Survivor? No. Oh, yeah. So there's a, there's a contestant right now um, on the show who is a fourth grade teacher at my daughter's school. Is it a guy or a girl? A guy. I, I, I don't know. if I should, should I say who it is? I don't know. Maybe he should. Yes. So he. She's going to be on the show. He's oh, on. Yeah, no. Tommy. Tommy. He's on Team Vokai. He's the the ginger. Okay. And so I haven't watched Survivor in a really long time, but we're watching it mm-hmm. because everybody. Yeah, so everybody in the the PTA started selling like Team Tommy shirts, Aww, and every all the kids are buying them and wearing them to school on the day that the show airs. And so I've been watching Survivor, and there is no surviving <laughs> at all. <There's laughs> no surviving. Have you guys watched it? No. It's no. basically them just sitting on a beach talking shit. Like, like it's basically there's no survival like skills being utilized whatsoever. I, I they have to. I mean, they might sleep in a tent or like with a sheet around them in the woods or whatever. But they definitely have to go somewhere to like eat and do stuff because they're not they're not fishing or they're not hunting for food. Oh, they barely make fire, and it's like they're base basically the entire show is them like sneaking off to decide who they're going to vote off that day, and that's the whole oh. show. Have you watched it? No, I haven't watched it in a really long. I'm time. I'm just going to say I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. There's no like there's no more surviving sort of aspect to it, which was the best part when they were like all starving and losing weight. <laughs> That's what you I know, feel like they should just change the name yeah. of the show to like talking shit on the beach. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. we're rooting for Tommy. He's on Team Vokai. He's the ginger, and I think there's a good chance he could win. Honestly, because no shit, and he's like really putting his neck out there and like decorating his classroom with Survivor stuff. So I. I think like he might oh, go wow. far yeah because you wouldn't do that if you got voted off early yeah yeah so uh That's inside cool. info okay well i've been watching a show with my husband and i want to talk i want to present it to the class so i don't know if you guys have seen it or heard of it but it's paul rudd's new show called living with yourself no and okay so i think it's on it must be on netflix because i'm watching it i have apple too so maybe on or um amazon so maybe on there i don't know my husband just hits play. But, um, <laughs> so the premise is, have you seen the movie Multiplicity? I got it played Batman. I've actually seen that. I have okay, seen it. Yeah, so the movie Multiplicity. What's Keaton. Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so in the movie, thank you, Tessa, Bailey. I love, I love um, when I nail a trivia question. It's like yes. an orgasm in my, yeah. Yes. I actually have Halloween trivia if we want to do that. <gasps> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So Multiplicity is about Michael Keaton. He gets himself cloned because he's so busy he doesn't have time. And he ends up getting, like, other st- – a clone gets another clone. And, and it's just kind of a comedy, but it, it that's the premise. So this show, with Paul Rudd, Living With Yourself, Paul Rudd is in a really bad point in his life. He's suffering from depression. He um, is, you know, or at a real low point in his career. Him, he and his wife can't conceive. Like, he's in a really rough patch. So his coworker tells him about this spa retreat that he can go to. It's $50,000, but he said, it will change your life. He said, you will come out a better man. And he's like, he's like, I'm at the end of my rope. I have no other ideas what to do. So he does it. He goes to the spa and then he goes in, he closes his eyes. And when he opens them up, he wakes up and he feels like a new person. He feels like he can take on the right. He's happier. He's got more vision. Um, he actually doesn't need glasses anymore. They correct his vision, but he's got like his job is in like advertising and he's got all these great ideas and he's happy and he loves his wife and he's doing all these things. 
And all of a sudden they go to a clip of Paul Rudd waking up in like a shallow grave. And it turns out this spa clones you without your consent. And they, they're supposed to kill your original because they make you better and they like genetically boost you to be a better person when they clone you so that your clone is better than your original. But in a twist of events, the original didn't die like it was supposed to. And that Paul Rudd appears. And so he goes to his house and the clone is freaking out because he's like, oh my God, I'm a clone. Like, you know, he <laughs> thought he was the real, he thought he was the real Paul Rudd and the real Paul Rudd is still depressed and sad and the new one's still happy and amazing. And they don't want to tell the wife. And so they go back to the cloning place and it's, it's kind of crazy how it happens. But they're just like, what the fuck do we do now? Anyways, I'm, I'm going to spoil it just a little bit. So uh, if you don't want to hear it, you just fast forward like like maybe five minutes. There's a point where the wife does find out. She sees the, the clone and she's like, what the fuck? And so she kicks the clone out and makes him like go get, it, get his own life. She's like, you can't be here. You know, it's not my fault, whatever. And so anyway, so Paul Rudd, he, the depressed one is still hanging around. And the one, the clone that gets kicked out is so in love with her, with the wife. He's so sad because he realizes I've never had sex with my wife. I've never kissed my wife. I love her so much. He's jerking off to like pictures of her and stuff all the time because he can't let it go. He tries to go on a date with somebody else. And he's like, it, he tries to sleep with them. Who plays the wife? Like, it's terrible. That's what, I don't know yet. I don't know what's happened. No, no, who I, plays I like watching. the, who, an actress plays Oh, her. oh, she's Irish. I don't know. I've never seen her before. All right, I'm really but she's amazing. Yeah, look her up. But anyway, so the actress is like, she apparently on the slot had joined this dating site <gasps> because she was having problems with the original depressed Paul Rudd. Well, clone Paul Rudd goes on the fucking website and guess who matches up? She goes on a date with the clone and she shows up and that's where we stopped last night. She shows up and he stands up at the restaurant and she's like, I don't know what to call you. And he says, call me Miles. And that's the guy's name. He said, call me Miles. And so like they sit down and it's the better version of her husband that she's cheating on her husband with. Wow. It's like, it's like Kevin and I, my husband, we got in like this long discussion last night about like, well, what would you do? And like, how would you act? And oh my God, can you imagine? Like it was all these like crazy thoughts about like, I mean, it's her husband. But it's a it's the better version of him. And it's so sad because, you know, you the original one wants to be him, but he can't. Like he's just he's like, you know, he um he's like he's better at me than everything. He's better with my wife and my sister and my job and you know, I can't he's like, Why can't I just be happy? And his sister's like, Because you didn't earn it. She was like, You just copied yourself and this guy did it and you know there she was like there's nothing that you did to earn this you know validation to earn like being able to you know but how did the clone earn it he's just a boom here i know exactly because he doesn't have the baggage that, yeah yeah without, without all the bullshit of having to get to that but that's what she's saying like you didn't earn it is in the fact that like you're she was he was like i'm supposed to be happy like because in the beginning this clone was doing his job for him so that he would have time to like write his play and you know yeah. do all the things he wanted to do and now like he he's just sitting at home jerking off all day <laughs> and like getting drunk and she's like what are you doing you know like that kind of thing so the the wife is played by aisling uh b b-e-a she's an irish actress from kildare she's gorgeous she's she is she's so she's lovely beautiful. on the show 
Oh my God. And like the fact that the clone is like in love with her, he's obsessed. He breaks into the house and cuts off some of her hair because he he takes it to the clone place because he wants him to clone her <laughs> because he doesn't want to love anybody else. I was like, I know that's Aww. fucked up, but it's so sweet. I'm trying to figure out who she plays. She was uh, in the fall. Remember, you know, the fall of Jamie Dornan where he plays the serial killer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She was in that yeah. show. Oh, that sounds but really good. Like- I know it's so good. Like we, it's it's fantastic. It's such a great premise for a show. We should keep talking about TV because I want to talk about the Great British Bake Off really quick. Are you guys watching it? Yes. Are you Team Kate? Kate, the one with the really um, black, uh, yes, the really black thick I, bangs. I re- I, it's not that I'm Team Kate. I think she's gonna win. I 100% think she's gonna win. Not because I'm Team. Not because I. She's my favorite. I think she's the most highly skilled baker on that show. I don't think she thought she would. I think she came into it thinking. So basically, I'm gonna go, go around. a couple of times she won like Star Baker of the Week and she uh-huh. called her mom and uh, she's like, mom, I called Star Baker. <laughs> uh, yeah. And her mom is like, Kate, you have to stop believing in yourself. Oh, and I just I burst Mom into te- bloody hell. Yeah, I just burst into tears in my living room because, and then you could tell like she's gaining confidence as the contest goes on, and she's like, she has three jobs. She works in a shoe store. She works as a mm-hmm. waitress, mm-hmm. and now she's like gonna, she might win the Great British Baking Show, and it's like, oh, anyways, if you're not watching that, it's like. It's like therapy. It's so good. good. Although I screamed, I was in the bathtub watching last week's episode and I got so fucking mad. I just splashed the water. I was like, that's bullshit. When they like kicked the contestant off. I was so angry. (laughs) Oh, I know who you're talking about. Maybe we shouldn't say. I I, I know who you're talking about, but I think that was unfair. Yeah. 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 Because there's a couple of young men on the show that are really Mm -hmm. charming and like really give it their all, but... I don't know that they should be there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. So I am planning a 50th birthday party for Pat right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. My husband. How's it going? He's 14 years older than me. I'm not 50. But he he is turning 50. And well, I guess she's like, let me throw this out I just, yeah, yeah, I don't want. Not, not that there's anything wrong with being 50. But I always, you know, like. But I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm his young, beautiful trophy wife is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I just need everyone to know. I'm going to do it in Edinburgh, Scotland. No shit. When you're there, in the, that's in the summer, right? Yeah, we're going in, in June? June, June 26th and 27th, for those of you who don't know, and it won't matter anyway because it's sold out, but there's a signing, signing, a book signing in Edinburgh, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm going, but also my entire family is going to, my in-laws yeah. are going to come over yeah. and meet us there, and we're going to do a big 50th Aww. birthday party for Pat, so. Is this a surprise, or does he know? He knows. He just doesn't know okay, what good. I'm planning, so. Okay. If anybody that lives in Edinburgh knows a Pink Floyd cover band (laughs) that will will play for not too much money, could you please email me at readmeromance at gmail.com? Yes. Let's use these resources wisely. I had no idea how much a cup, like I was looking at bands and I was like, wow, they're like $4,000 a night. Did, did you ever know that? No. So expensive. I know that they can get pricey when we were at the bar, when we own the bar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I kind of get just it. just hire somebody out for the night. Everybody's yeah. got to get paid and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. $4,000 for one night seems like, 
I don't know. I guess maybe you can only perform on Fridays and Saturdays, so it's got to make up for your whole week, and you got to practice through the week. So maybe it's not it's so bad, especially if there's person. if it's more than one person. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can see it. It's just that's that's still a good chunk of change, you know, for it. But yeah, how many times? I'll come sing for four thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like Edinburgh is such like a cool, quirky little town that I'm finding so many of like amazing venues and I you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna rent like a uh, rent a room for like a private for a private dining experience or whatever. Uh, can you get some like Irish step dancing in there? Like you hire <laughs> people to come do that? Because that's cool as shit. Uh well see to them it's not it's not exciting. Yeah, you know, it's that's like true. Well, they're like, no, that's Thursday. Yeah, that's us. a Thursday. <laughs> so but I found this place that has like the up it's like a duplex that you can rent and the upstairs is like the private dining room and then you go downstairs and there's a pool table with like giant television. So like nice. I'm thinking yeah. yeah, so that's what I'm thinking of. But that'd be really if fun. anybody knows Edinburgh really well and has suggestions like let me know what they are because um i need help so okay let's talk about l christensen a little bit more before we play the final installment of rider rancher the rancher's rose is another book in this series and it sounds really cute here's the blurb when forbidden sparks ignite they'll have to choose whether to burn or snuff out the fire rose Locke has loved garrison keeler since she was 14 years old he drove garrison keeler that sounds like somebody famous, right? That was the guy on the host on NPR for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Or the, sorry, not Wait, Wait, Don't It was the Sunday uh, thing on um, NPR. Do you think she knows that? I don't know. Like, well, Probably gone. not. <laughs> One time Leah named a character after a well-known author. I was like, this is an author. And I was like, like, really? What? I had no idea. Okay, sorry. Let <laughs> me interrupt. Go, so go I think some people it. don't know. Yeah. Rose Locke has loved Garrison Keillor since she was 14 years old. He drove her crazy, treating her like his annoying baby sister but she was convinced that one day when she was all grown up everything would change garrison has always felt protective of his best friend's little sister but when she turned 18 and he suddenly realized she was a woman it turned into possession however their 12 year age difference put them on different paths and garrison pushed her away to make sure she followed her dreams six years later rose returns home and the passion flares once again garrison knows that this time he won't be able to let her go He's determined to convince Rose to give him another chance, and he won't take no for an answer. So that is The Rancher's Rose by L. Christensen. It's 99 cents. It's on Kindle Unlimited and uh, all that good stuff. Leah, I made short rib uh, ragu this week. I wanted to tell you so you could be proud of me. I know. I saw that. I saw your picture in your crock pot, and it was amazing. I was so proud of you. So tell me how you did it. Well, I get, I'm going to get the Halloween questions and we'll just ask a couple why you, why you tell me how you made it. I, so I got my crock pot and I put uh, garlic, celery, carrots, and onions in the bottom. I put the short ribs, I seared the short ribs on the pan. I put them on top of the vegetables and then I put like plum tomatoes and tomato paste on top. I mixed it all together, salt and pepper, everything like that. And then I left it for eight hours. Yeah. And then all I did, like basically, so the meat just fell off the bones and I basically just like forked it, you know, like pull it apart with a fork. And then I just added it to pasta with the sauce and holy shit, it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I was really proud of I know, myself. I want to make that. I know. I want to make that now. I made a homemade vegetable beef soup yesterday and it was lovely. Okay. We had it for lunch with grilled cheeses. Yum. Okay, Halloween trivia. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So these are um scary movies. And I think you both have seen most older scary movies, right? Yes. Like thing. Yeah, I would think so. So these are just a couple of random ones. I won't there's 25, but I won't do all of them. All right. So 
what was used for blood in the movie Psycho? And I have like multiple choice. Corn syrup? Confused. What do you yeah. say, Mel? Yeah, it's probably corn syrup. It was chocolate syrup. That movie that was black and oh. white. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I know, right? Let's see. In the movie Carrie, how does Carrie kill her mother? Burns the house down? She uses telekinesis to break her neck. She uses telekinesis to knife her to death. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's right. She, like, stabs her a million times and then then burns the house down. She could have died in the fire, though. I mean, if we're just going to get specific. We need to hear from the coroner. We need to get an official. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. What horror movie featured a gourmet gourmet cannibal? Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence Silence of the Lambs. Burnt Silence offerings. of the Lambs. I know. I was like, what is burnt offerings? I've never even heard of Me that either. movie. I know. Some of them are easy. Like, it's like, which movie was Brad Pitt in about the seven deadly sins? Seven. I was like, I'm not, I know. They're going to skip that. <laughs> Let's see. Who was the first to play Frankenstein in the movies in 1931? Oh, I didn't watch I that. Like, okay. It's the dad from, it's the dad from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Is it really? <laughs> Boris, it, that I was like, I don't no, know, but I really Boris Karloff. I was like, I maybe that is. <laughs> he did know. play. He did play Frankenstein in something, and maybe it was a comedy. But yeah. the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond, which, by the way, my mom like watches reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond still every single day. Are you serious? Yeah, and sometimes I'll go over there, and I'm like, holy shit, this is so funny. <laughs> 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 like. It, it's so good. It's still so fun. How many times has the movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre been made? Like the original one. How many times has it been made? Do you know? You can take a guess. It's your Twelve. No, it's one to four. It's just the original oh. movie that's been redone. Oh, not like how four. many? Yeah, times. yeah. Because I looked that up. Because there's nine of those. <laughs> I'm gonna say two. I'll say four. It's two. Shut up, Mel. You know why? What? I hate those movies. I know. <laughs> I literally, those are like the one horror movies I won't. That is the one movie I walked out of. You walked out of it? Why? I walked out of the second one, the, the remaking. I couldn't deal with all of, because it felt, it's one of the ones that could be so real. Yeah, yeah. That there was just all this blood and killing and they were running and screaming. And I was like, okay, and I'm out. (laughs) And I'm done. Who was Michael Myers' first victim at age six? His dad. The options are his mother, his teacher, his sister, or the town sheriff. Uh, I'm going to go for his teacher. I'm going to go for the town sheriff. His sister. Really? His sister. His six. Yeah. His I sister? I don't, look, I just have the answers. Isn't okay. Michael Myers who he's trying to... Isn't the sisters who he's trying to kill? Oh, that's Jason. Yes. Michael Myers is Halloween, right? That's the Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well... There you go. Let's do one more. Who was the father of Rosemary's baby? The devil. I only seen that one. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know that one, Mel? Uh-uh. I have seen that one. It is the devil. I have seen it once. Like, forever ago. And I can only remember, like, parts of it is there like a a stroller in it a lot yes (laughs) (laughs) okay did you deduce that from the title there is something about those movies like rosemary's baby and the omen and those old movies like the birds they have this creepy quiet feeling to them Mm. that the new uh the new scary movies don't have like there's like a quiet fear to them it's like yeah it's the silence in them that's so fucking scary what was Norman Bates's mother's name? Oh God, I don't know. It's Mary, Susan, Norma, or Helen. Norma. Norma is Norma. I never knew that. When you said it, I got it. Norma and Norman—that's a little strange. 
like it's foreshadowing. Fucked up. It's foreshadowing, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So those are your Halloween trivia questions. Yeah, I love it. I can do that all. Right. I can sit here all day and get and you just ask me questions. Let's do I it. Let's it. do all twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you guys. Here's the rest of Red Rancher by L. Christensen. We'll be back in a few. Because you guys are going to get the sex now. I'm guessing that we cut you off right before they did the D because it was 12 chapters. Oh, they're about to bone. So you got some vagina eating and now you're it's about, about to be Freaky about Friday to get up in here. the D, yeah? Okay. <laughs> Enjoy. Bye. 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 Chapter 7. Helena. Stone quickly unclasped my bra then lifted me into his arms and walked into the shower, which was big enough to hold at least four people. He lowered me onto a bench seat and gave me a short but lingering kiss before standing up and removing his clothes. With each bit of skin revealed, the ache intensified, and I didn't give a crap I was openly ogling him. When he shoved his pants down and his cock sprang free, I gasped. Holy shit balls. It was fucking huge. It bounced against his stomach a few times before coming to a stop, pointing directly up at the ceiling. The skin was stretched taut, and the fat head looked purple and kind of angry. I wasn't sure that thing was going to fit. I mean, I was a little surprised it hadn't torn through his jeans like the Hulk. Once Stone had tossed his clothes out of the shower, he turned on the water and fiddled with the knobs until he was satisfied with the temperature. As he approached, his cock was at eye level with me, and I found myself distracted from my worry over whether I could get that monster inside of me. I wondered whether the skin would feel as soft as it looked and what he tasted like. When he stopped right in front of me, I leaned forward ready to find out but he stopped me by placing a hand under my chin and gripping the hair at the back of my head with the other. He tilted my face up. His brown eyes were practically black, and his expression fierce. Not this time, baby. I want to come the first time inside of you. If you get those sexy lips wrapped around my dick, I won't last two seconds. I wasn't sure what to say to that but I didn't have the chance anyway, because he tugged my head back farther and sealed his mouth over mine. I moaned at the new flavor, my essence mixing with his natural taste. Stone released my hair and bent his knees so he could grab my ass and scoop me up into his arms. My legs instinctively circled his waist, pressing my pussy, already drenched again, against his hot, rock-hard member. Without breaking our kiss, he walked us over to the spray of hot water and stepped beneath it. When we eventually pulled apart, both of us shaking and desperate for oxygen, he let my legs fall and set me gently back on my feet. His penetrating gaze dropped to my breasts, and he brought both hands up and cupped them. You have fantastic tits, baby. I glanced down and frowned. They're small, I lamented. Stone squeezed both globes and waited until I looked back up. They are fucking perfect, Helena. He squeezed again, 
and stared down at them with a hungry expression. Perfect for my hands, perfect for my mouth, perfect for fucking with my cock. The images evoked by his words made me desperate to experience them all. However, after massaging them for a few seconds, he brought the tips of his fingers to my nipples and plucked them a couple of times. The sharp sensation it caused went right to my core, and my inner muscles clenched with need. A whimper escaped my mouth, and Stone grunted, I want more of those sweet sounds, baby, before licking my swollen lips. His hands roamed over my body, often leaving small kisses in their wake as he explored. After driving me wild with need, he dipped his finger into my pussy again and growled, Fuck, Helena. I can feel how ready you are even with the water sliding over your sexy body. He bent forward and sucked on one of my nipples while he played in my pussy, then switched to the other to give it the same attention. He worked me until I was ready to cry if I didn't find relief. Finally, he ceased torturing me and took hold of my hips, hoisting my body so I was once again circling his waist with my legs my arms around his neck. I was going to wash you first, be gentle and sweet. But fuck, baby, I don't think I can wait much longer. He took three steps forward, and I gasped when I felt the cold tile against my heated skin. Stone ground his erection between my legs, his hips holding me up and freeing his hands to play with my breasts. I don't think it was more than a minute later when I cried out as I shattered apart. Stone's cock was pulsing in time with his racing heart rate, and he groaned, his tone strained and agonized. Fuck, I hope you're ready, because I can't wait any longer. He palmed my ass and carefully but swiftly moved over to the bench seat once more. After dropping down on it, he kissed me fiercely as he lifted me up, and I felt the tip of his cock circling my pussy a few times before it slid inside an inch. Then he pushed in another inch, but stopped to let me get used to his size when he felt me stretching around him. Oh, fuck. Stone gritted through a clenched jaw as he stared between us, watching his cock slowly disappear. Your pussy is so hot, so tight. Fuck, you're gripping the shit out of my dick. Warmth spread inside me, and when I felt it drip down my thighs, I realized it was his cum. I wiggled a little, fascinated by the sensation. But Stone hissed and held me still with his hands clenching my hips. Don't move until I tell you, Helena. His tone was dark and demanding. My cock is dripping with need for you, but I refuse to come again until I'm buried balls deep inside you. My hands moved to grip his strong, muscular shoulders, and I let him guide me down until he suddenly stopped. His head flew up, and his eyes locked with mine. I wanted to glance away in embarrassment, I knew exactly why he was shocked. He'd probably just figured out I was a virgin. Yep, 
successful lawyer in her 20s, still a virgin. My cheeks were hot, and I tore my eyes away but didn't get far before he took hold of my chin and forced me to look at him again. You're a virgin? He rasped. I nodded silently, and as he studied my face, he brushed his fingertips over one cheek. Why would you be embarrassed about that, baby? I shrugged. I'm a little old, and honestly, I was afraid that if you knew I had no experience, you wouldn't be interested in me anymore. Stone's brown eyes widened into dark pools of disbelief. Are you fucking kidding me? I frowned, not sure exactly what part he was upset about. Helena, you are giving me a precious gift. And while I don't deserve you, I'm going to take it because I would fucking kill any other man who even thought about popping your cherry. He shook his head, and his expression turned a little cocky as he smirked. Not that I would want you any less, but I can't say it doesn't make me happy as fuck to know you're mine. Only mine. The emotions he was stirring with his words were making me anxious. I didn't want to think about what he meant by some of the things he said. I was glad he had no issue with me being a virgin, and at the moment, all I wanted was to get his dick all the way in so I could come again. I lowered my eyelids and stared up at him through my lashes. What are you waiting for? My cherry isn't going to pop itself. I leaned in to whisper in his ear, making sure my lips brushed over his skin. Get your big dick inside and fuck me. I clenched my inner muscles around his shaft as I said the dirty words, and Stone shouted as his hips surged up and he yanked mine down. I winced at the pain of him tearing through my hymen and his cock stretching my pussy so much, so fast. Stone froze and scowled at me. Fuck, Helena, are you okay? Shit, I wanted to be gentle. He closed his eyes and shook his head, clearly exasperated. That fucking mouth. When they opened again, they were filled with heat. If you're gonna try to make me lose control saying stuff like that, eventually I'm going to fill that smart mouth with something else. I couldn't help the grin spreading across my face at the knowledge I'd gotten past his hard exterior. It had been obvious since the moment I met him that he liked to be in control all the time. Knowing I could make him lose it made me feel womanly and powerful. It made me want to do it again. So, I prompted seductively with a raised eyebrow. Then I squeezed my vaginal muscles as tight as possible, smirking when he groaned and his eyes rolled back. You gonna fuck me? Stone growled and the grasp he had on my hips tightened. I'd probably have finger-shaped bruises there tomorrow morning, but for some reason, that only made me hotter. He slammed his mouth over mine 
and kissed me passionately, making me forget everything but him and the emptiness I knew only he could fill. When he tore his lips from mine, he grunted as he watched me while raising me a couple of inches and sliding me back down. I moaned at the feel of his dick dragging along my walls. Pain? He probed, shifting me so my hips rotated in a circle around his thick cock. When I shook my head and whimpered, he smiled wickedly at me as he took my legs from around him and placed them on either side of his, so I was straddling him like a horse. Then he widened his legs, which opened mine up, and changed the angle of his dick, making it hit something that had me on the verge of another orgasm in a second. You've been learning to ride? He queried, his lips still tipped up in a sinful smirk. I nodded, barely able to think about anything but the feel of his shaft stretching me, making me feel whole, and the sensations that sparked with every movement. Stone placed his hands on my shoulders, then glided them down over my breasts before he leaned back and braced himself on them. Then ride me, baby, he commanded. Ride your rancher. His hips surged up and I gasped. Using my thighs to brace myself like I did when riding, I raised my hips and dropped back down as Stone bucked up once again. Fuck yes, he groaned. Just like that, baby. I started with a steady rhythm that had us both moaning. Play with your gorgeous tits, baby, Stone instructed. Squeeze your nipples when you squeeze that tight little pussy around my cock. My fingers began to pluck and twist the turgid peaks and my inner muscles clenched as though there was a direct link from one to the other. Fuck, Helena. That's it. Your pussy is strangling my fucking cock. It wasn't long before the steady up and down wasn't enough. I sped up, and when I dropped down on his cock, I let myself fall with the force of my body weight. Stone, yes, I called out. Still, it wasn't enough. Harder, oh yes. He met me in the middle, using the leverage from his planted hand and feet to thrust up hard and fast. The rhythm was lost, and I bounced on his cock as we fucked wildly with no finesse, only unadulterated passion. Fuck, oh fuck, yeah. I bit my lip to keep from screaming, and Stone stopped. What the fuck? I opened my eyes to see him staring at me darkly, and I remembered his rule about suppressing my cries and screams. Slowly, as though experimenting, he pushed inside me, and I moaned. Then he did it again, a little harder. This time, he slid a hand up my thigh and stomach to my breast and pinched my nipple. I cried out, and he murmured, good girl. He planted his hands behind him again and started thrusting, working his way to hard, fast, and furious much quicker than before. He widened his legs a little farther, 
and the stretch on my inner thighs opened me up, so he slid a little deeper each time. I felt the tidal wave building, and I chanted a crescendo of yes, 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 yes. Then I felt as though I blew apart into a million tiny shards of bliss as I screamed Stone's name. Fuck, Helena, fuck, fuck. Stone sat up in a flash and whipped my legs around his waist before he jammed his dick up as far as it would go so that our groans were practically sealed together. Then he roared as he finally let go. The sensation of his hot cum spilling inside me, coating my walls and filling me with warmth, set off another orgasm. Stone came down from his high a little faster than me. So as I floated back to earth, he rubbed tender circles on my back and whispered sweet things like how beautiful I was and how amazing this had been. I was exhausted and I slumped into him, the soothing feel of his hand causing me to drift to sleep. I woke up a while later and found myself alone, but there was a delicious smell coming from somewhere. My bag was on a chair in the corner, so I went over and dug through it until I found a pair of sleep shorts and a tank top. I followed the aroma to the kitchen, where I thoroughly enjoyed the sight of stone in nothing but his dark red boxer briefs. I felt a stirring in my belly when he bent to take something from the oven, and it showed off his tight ass. I was debating whether to go climb him like a tree when my stomach growled loudly. Stone chuckled as he turned toward me. He set the tray of OMG biscuits, yum, on the counter and stretched one long arm out to me. I walked right over and tucked myself into his side smiling when he kissed the top of my head. He pivoted us to face the stove and picked up a wooden spoon to stir whatever was bubbling in the pot. I peeked inside, and not only did my stomach growl again, but I moaned as I inhaled the yummy scent of thick sausage gravy. I take it you like biscuits and gravy? Good grief, yes. I mumbled since my mouth was watering. You can't find this in the city. And even if you do, it's all kinds of wrong. While we ate, Stone asked me a lot of questions about my life, to the point where I wondered if he was writing a book. However, he said he was just trying to get to know me. I hedged around my family, engagement, and why I left my job, but answered most of his questions. He shared some stories too, but then he'd jump right back into interrogating me. That was a strong word, but still. We exchanged phone numbers, and when I took my phone back and saw what he'd put for himself in my contacts, I almost fell off my chair laughing. Stallion stud horse, call for a thorough ride. Chapter 8 Stone. A smile ghosted over my face as I came out of the best night's sleep I'd ever had. 
even if I'd only slept for a few hours. I pried open my eyelids and rolled onto my side, reaching for Helena. My lips turned down into a frown as I realized that not only was Helena gone, but the light was shining way too bright for my normal morning. Helena, I called her name, but something told me not to expect a response. And as expected, I was met with silence. Sitting up, I scrubbed my hands over my face and sighed, then grabbed my phone from the nightstand. 9 a.m., what the fuck? The only time I'd woken up after five in the last decade was when I'd been too sick to drag my ass out of bed. I didn't even set an alarm anymore because at five on the dot, I was wide awake, no matter what time I'd gone to bed. My eyes darted around the room as I used my thumb to unlock my phone. When I spied her overnight bag on the chair in the corner, I breathed a touch easier. If she'd run from me, she would have taken her bag. At least I was pretty sure. There were no calls or messages from Helena, but there was a missed call from James at six. I shoved the mangled and twisted sheets off and got to my feet. Quickly, I threw on a pair of jeans and made my way to the bathroom. Finding it empty, I checked the kitchen next. She wasn't there, but I did find a plate, knife, and mug in the sink. That's when I noticed the full carafe of freshly brewed coffee. That calmed me a little. She couldn't have been gone too long, and she clearly hadn't gone running from me if she'd taken the time to make coffee and toast. The phone rang as I was returning to my bedroom to dress and find my woman. A glance at the screen showed James's name flashing. I almost sent it to voicemail, but stopped myself just in time as I realized he might know where Helena was. Kensington, I answered gruffly. Stone, I didn't think I'd be able to get a hold of you this late, but I'm glad I did. I wondered if there'd been an accident or something, and my heart jumped into my throat at the thought that it could have been Helena. But he sounded worried, not desperate which went a long way in calming me. In a steady tone, I asked, What can I do for you? Have you seen Leah's friend Helena? She's around 5'7", thin, has blonde hair and blue eyes. One of my guys spotted my old truck smashed into a fence at the border of our properties. Helena's the only one who would have taken it, and we can't find her anywhere. It's in the acres you're renting, so I was hoping maybe you might have seen her. I'm sure she's fine but Leah is flipping her shit. Tell her not to worry. I was there when she wrecked the truck. She was fine, but I brought her home. Just in case. You know, to make sure she was okay. I hedged around what really happened, not ready to get into Helena's and my relationship just yet. I heard him shout to Leah that Helena was okay, and I'd taken care of her. If she only knew. I had definitely taken care of Helena. Four times. I smirked and kept that information to myself. Is she still there? Leah wants to come and get her. No. I barely managed to keep from growling the answer. She left this morning. Fuck, James sighed. Thanks, Stone. We better go look for her. She's the last person who should be wandering around a ranch by herself. Oh, and we'll take care of the fence. I'll get my guys out there to fix it tomorrow. We patched the hole in the barbed wire when we pulled the truck out, 
We'll repair the post and reinforce the fencing. Don't sweat it, I said, then hurried to add, I'll find Helena. I'm sure she didn't leave all that long ago. She's probably still on my land. I'll pick her up and bring her over to see Leah. You don't have to. I got this, I snapped a little harsher than I had intended. I hung up before he could finish whatever he'd been about to say before I cut him off. In less than twenty minutes, I was dressed and walking out to my truck. I doubted Helena would have gone back to Garrison's house, and she'd obviously not gone to the Lock Creek main house. Before I climbed into my vehicle, my eyes strayed to the stable, and I had a thought. I jogged over and glanced at Pandora's stall first. When I saw she was there, I blew out a relieved breath. Helena was too new to horses and ranching to try and ride Pandora alone. Not that Pandora would do anything to harm her rider, but she was tall and strong. If an inexperienced rider got her up to higher speeds, it could be dangerous for them. Not to mention if she decided to jump. A quick scan of the other stalls revealed Maiden was missing. I shouted for Sawyer and started for the office near the front of the stables to find him, but stopped when I spotted another empty stall. Gormagon was also absent. My eyes narrowed as the pieces fell into place. Maiden was our most gentle pony, the one we put all newbies on, and Gormagon was Sawyer's preferred mount. Something dark and angry started to churn in my gut. If my instinct was right, Sawyer had taken Helena riding, alone. My very single, very good-looking and young stable manager and the drop-dead gorgeous woman I was fallen for. The churning intensified and lit a fire under my ass. I readied Pandora as fast as I could and walked her out of the stable. I swung up onto her back and urged her into a run, heading for the most likely paths they would have taken. When I didn't find them on the trail to the creek, I followed a hunch and trekked out to the spot where Helena had crashed into my fence. By the time I got there, my patience was razor thin and the scene before me revealed a violent streak inside me I hadn't known was there. Sawyer had ratted the post that the truck had run into. Luckily it was sturdy, and had only been tilted to an angle and wouldn't need replacing. Now he was teaching Helena how to splice the broken wires back together. Helena was sitting on the ground, her head bent over her task of looping the wires to make a hammer roll. If it hadn't been for a shirtless Sawyer crouched right behind her, I might have thought she looked cute with her face all scrunched up in concentration. However, I couldn't see beyond the half-naked man practically wrapped around my woman. It was probably all perfectly innocent, but when it came to Helena, I had a hard time being rational. Sawyer, I snarled as I pulled Pandora to a halt and jumped off of her back. Get the fuck away from my woman. Put a shirt on and get your ass back to work. Two startled heads swung around in surprise, but my focus was on the bright blue eyes narrowed in annoyance. I held her gaze unapologetically, only looking away when I saw Sawyer swinging up onto his horse out of the corner of my eye. He gave me a, what the fuck, look, but I glared at him until he shook his head and took off on Gormagon. When I turned back to Helena, she'd gotten to her feet, her hands propped on her hips, and was scowling fiercely at me. As adorable as she was, I was still surrounded by a haze of jealousy and possession. What the hell, Stone? She snapped. 
He was teaching me to fix the fence. You want to learn something about ranching, baby, you come to me, I said as I prowled toward her. She crossed her arms over her chest and cocked her head to the side while tapping her foot impatiently. I thought you didn't have time to help this pampered city girl play rancher. That was before, I grunted as I stopped right in front of her. Despite my obvious ire, she didn't back away from me. She straightened her posture and stood her ground. Her blue eyes were flashing with fire, making her look like an avenging angel with all those wavy blonde curls blowing wildly in the breeze. She looked fucking amazing, and it was seriously testing my control. The caveman who seemed to be making regular appearances since meeting Helena started demanding to claim this woman. After seeing her with Sawyer, I was feeling an acute need to prove to her that she was mine. With each passing moment, that need grew, especially in the face of all her fire and beauty. Helena cocked her head to the side and pinned me with a glacial glare. Suddenly, because I rode you like a prized stallion, you have time to spare for me? Well, listen here, stud. I don't need you pretending you want to spend time with me outside the bedroom so that you can sleep with me again. Considering how I jumped into bed with you after the way our day started yesterday, I'm more than likely a sure thing right now. I frowned at her characterization of our relationship. She rolled her eyes, flipped around, and walked to where the tools and extra barbed wire were spread on the ground. But I'm not a mare in heat, you know. It's not like I'm a slave to my sexual urges. With my blood already pumping hot from the jealousy, I was only getting more heated from her talking about sex and studs. I kept thinking about how a stud's job is to get the mare pregnant. Naturally, my mind wandered in the direction of a mare in heat. Was Helena in heat? I rolled my eyes at myself for thinking of it that way. She'd probably have my balls in a vice for comparing her to an ovulating filly. I hadn't used protection at all the night before. I was so fucking hot for her that I honestly forgot. Which meant there was a chance she was pregnant. Besides, she continued as she bent to pick up some of the tools, then stood and started packing them in a bag. No matter how hot the other cowboys are, she now had my full attention. I'm not going to just go around jumping random guys. My blood began to boil over and let them mount me. As long as we're together, only you get to mount me. Okay? It was too much for my brain to handle. She'd put the thought of her with other men in my head, along with the image of a stallion mounting his mare. Helena had walked back to the last of the barbed wire and bent over, giving me the perfect view of her heart-shaped ass. Something inside me snapped, and I grabbed her around the waist and threw her over my shoulder before stomping back to my horse. I kept a hold on her with one hand while grabbing the reins and swinging myself up onto the saddle with the other. What? I ignored her and shifted her so that she was sitting across my lap. Then I urged Pandora into a run until we reached a thicket of trees near the river on the back end of my property. I came to a stop and moved Helena forward so I could hop down and grab her again and lift her off the horse. Stone, what the hell is going on? I took her hand firmly in mine and marched into the wooded area until we were well hidden. Then I tugged her toward me, spun her around and bent her forward, placing her hands on the thick trunk of a large tree. 
Keep your hands here, I growled. You want me to mount you like a stud? I'm more than willing to oblige. But I should warn you, stallions are possessive. They don't like seeing other males around their mare. When they fuck, it's hard, dominant, and dirty. Helena sucked in a breath, and when I glided my hands up her arms, over her shoulders, and down her back, she shivered, and her legs squeezed together. She'd worn loose khakis instead of jeans, and I smiled at how easily they came off. Just one good yank. When I was met with a bare ass, I felt the thin ropes holding onto my control starting to fray. Before I could think about it, the crack of my palm hitting her bare ass cheek rung out in the quiet. Helena gasped and started to push off the tree to turn around. I grabbed her hands and bent her over again, returning them to their place. She fought me for a second, but I ground my extremely big, hard cock into the crack of her ass, and her protest turned into a moan. You don't ever go anywhere without underwear unless you are with me. You understand? She nodded, and I waited for a beat before I let go again. Another thing you should know about stallions, baby. Once they decide a mare is theirs, there is no going back. Helena turned her head and looked at me with narrowed blue eyes. While she watched, I unbuckled my belt and lowered the zipper of my jeans and the front of my underwear. Her eyes were glued to my cock as it sprang free. My hands caressed her ass as I used my foot to guide her legs into a wide stance. My handprint still lingered, and pre-cum leaked from my tip as I admired it. I gently pushed on her back to urge her farther down. Then I gripped her hips firmly and lifted her ass up as high as it would go without her losing her balance. I glided my hand around to her front and drew a finger up her slit before dragging it back down between the lips. She was drenched and ready for me. You want me to mount you and fuck you like a stallion stud, baby? I circled her clit before pressing on it with the pad of my finger. Helena moaned and wiggled her ass in invitation. Then there's one more thing I should tell you about that. She turned her head, and I smiled at the lust clouding her eyes, her face awash with hunger. A stud's job is to knock his mare up. Helena's mouth dropped open, but I didn't hesitate before holding her steady as I plunged my thick shaft into her pussy until our skin slapped together. She cried and arched her back, pushing her ass back into me. Fuck, I grunted. She seemed even tighter than the night before, and I was so fucking worked up I practically saw stars from the way her inner walls clamped down on me. I was hanging by my last thread, but I needed to know something first. Baby, are you on birth control? She froze, and her head whipped back around. I almost regretted asking the question and breaking her from her haze of passion, but I was dying to know. No, Stone, you have to pull out. I can't. I withdrew almost to the tip while she sputtered, then plunged back in all the way to the hilt, and again her words morphed into a cry of pleasure. Somehow, though, she managed to get her barons and tried to reason with me again. What happens when we're over, Stone? If I get pregnant... The rope broke, and I fucking lost it. 
My only goal became convincing Helena that she was mine. How many times did I have to tell her before she got it? That it would never be over? I began to fuck her hard and wild. Helena's cries of, Yes, yes, harder stone, had me slamming in and out of her with animalistic grunts of my own. It was dark and gritty, almost feral. But most of all, it was possession. You are mine, Helena, I snarled. There is no over. Mine. My eyes drew down to her sexy little ass, and another crack rang out as I spanked her other cheek. Helena threw her head back and screamed as she pushed back into me with even more desperation. More, she gasped. I spanked each cheek twice more, and with each slap, she swirled higher and higher. I leaned into her and was practically rutting in her, my mind lost to only the feeling of being inside her and the awareness of keeping her from being hurt. The rougher we got, the more I worried about her hands on the bark, so I cupped her tits and raised her up so her back was pressed to my front. A tingling at the base of my spine was gaining strength, and I knew I was about to blow. Helena wasn't quite there yet, so I let go of one tit and spanked her pussy. She started to shudder, and a scream ripped from her throat. The orgasm was barreling through her, and she clenched her muscles so tight I thought she might break my dick in half. Putting my mouth at her ear, I whispered, do you want me to pull out, baby? No, no, please come inside me, she begged as she writhed in my arms. The tingling exploded, and the black spots danced in my vision. As I came so hard, it was like running full speed into a brick wall. I roared her name as I emptied myself inside her. I held her close as we both hit the pinnacle and started to come back down from the high. Do you understand? I panted. I'm yours, she said, with a small jerk of her chin. Chapter 9 Helena Baby, Stone growled. Either you tell them or I will. I sighed and pushed the food around on my plate. Can we at least wait till after the wedding next week? I felt bad for the pain I was causing Stone. I'd slept at his house almost every night since the first time, with the exception of one night when I babysat for Leah. He wanted me to come to him after they got home, but I was afraid they would see him picking me up, so I chickened out and told him Leah needed my help with something the next morning, so I had to stay. I learned my lesson quickly. Good grief was he grumpy after a night apart. The next time, I told him I needed some stuff at the manager's cottage and had him pick me up there, which I figured he probably knew was a lie, because he'd had me pack up all my belongings and bring them to his house the day after our passionate tryst in the woods. I didn't know what was holding me back from sharing our relationship with everyone, but even though my time with him had been the happiest I'd ever experienced, it terrified me like nothing else. At first, I was afraid he would never see me as more than a pampered city girl, and when the passion faded, he'd realize he didn't like me. I'd be left with nothing but the shattered remnants of my heart. 
but I worked alongside him on the ranch every day and soaked up anything he would teach me. It was clear he appreciated my effort. Then as I began to pick things up, he watched me with pride and admiration. When that fear was assuaged, I figured I'd finally be comfortable with going public. Still, though, I was scared. Then Stone started dropping not-so-subtle hints about marriage, and I almost went running back to the city. Until he told me it didn't matter if I ran, he'd find me and spend however long it took convincing me to come home, then fucked my brains out to remind me who I belonged to. I told him I didn't believe in marriage, and that the whole husband and kids thing wasn't in my plans. He'd stared at me silently, studying me, until he muttered, I don't believe that. I was starting to doubt it too. Then he'd kissed me softly on the lips and walked away. My thumb strayed to my ring finger again, as it always did when he brought up this subject. It didn't have the same effect that it had before. More and more, the feel of my naked finger didn't feed my convictions. Rather, I simply felt more confused. I looked up from my plate to meet his gaze with pleading eyes. And after a minute, he said, after the wedding. I nodded enthusiastically, and he sighed heavily before giving me a chin lift in agreement. His brown eyes were swimming with disappointment, and it made me feel like complete crap. He started to clear the table and frowned when he saw everything still left on my plate. You're not hungry again? Stone was amazing in the kitchen, which he said he learned from JP because a man needed to be able to feed himself if he was going to run a ranch and didn't have a wife. Then Stone had chuckled and said, or if his wife can't cook. He'd winked at me, and I laughed weakly, then changed the subject. He cooked for us most nights, but lately, the stress had been getting to me, and I hadn't been hungry. I'd dropped a few pounds, but I'd also been working hard on the ranch every day. His eyes scanned me from head to toe, his brow furrowed and a frown pulling at the corners of his mouth. I hadn't thought he'd notice the weight loss, but with the way he was studying me, I started to realize I should have known better. Stone didn't miss much when it came to me. He set the plates back on the table and pulled out the chair next to me, taking a seat. I've been waiting patiently for you, baby. But I'm starting to get worried. What aren't you telling me? I shook my head. Nothing, I swear, I said honestly. I just think it's the new things in my life. It takes getting used to. The hours, the food, the ranching. Stone gave me a tender look before caressing the side of my face with one hand. I know this is all a big adjustment, but you've got me to lean on. Is there anything I can do? I placed my hand over his and leaned into his touch. I didn't see how there was anything else he could do. I barely remembered the grumpy, brooding jerk of a cowboy he was when we met. He wasn't great with other people, but he was better. Until another man tried to talk to me. Then we all got a reminder. Although mine usually ended with a spanking and multiple orgasms, so I didn't have any complaints.
To me, even his flaws were sexy. I just have to grow some tougher stuff. I'm a pampered city girl, remember? I joked. Stone rolled his eyes, but a small smile ghosted over his lips. Former pampered city girl. Now you're a rancher. Eventually, you'll be a rancher's wife. And I like all your soft stuff. He winked, and I grinned, deciding to let his wife comment pass by. Oh, yeah? He laughed and scooped me up into his arms. How about I show you just how much I love your soft stuff? He chuckled again and smiled at me, making me pause and bask in the beauty of it. The longer I was with Stone, the more I realized that the laughs and smiles I got all the time were rare. When other people got a glimpse of them, they usually froze in shock, which made me chuckle. But it was another way that Stone proved how special I was to him. So why couldn't I fully commit? Chapter 10 Stone I stared at Helena as she sat with Leah on the couch in the living room of the main house at Lock Creek Ranch. They were giggling and laughing over something with Rose, who was sitting on the floor in front of them. She was so damn beautiful, inside and out. She'd proven my ignorant assumptions wrong again and again. But I really thought I'd had it right when I ignored her arguments that she didn't want marriage and a family. She'd even started insisting we use protection, although she wasn't very strong in her conviction, and in the heat of the moment, we often forgot. Something had told me she was lying to herself, and I should be patient. Patience wasn't my strong suit, but I did try not to come on too strong. If things had gone the way I wanted, she'd be wearing my ring and would have my last name already. It was maddening as hell not to know what was holding her back, because that meant I didn't know how to fix the problem, since I had no inkling what it was. And apparently, neither did Helena. Over the last few days, it had been starting to get to me. I began to doubt the conclusion I'd come to. Maybe she really didn't want those things. And I had to ask myself, now that I'd realized how much I wanted them, could I live without them? The answer was yes. I would take Helena however I could get her. She was the love of my life, and it would have no meaning without her. But that didn't mean it wouldn't gut me to never see her walking down an aisle to me, to never have the privilege of calling her my wife, to never watch our child grow in her belly, to watch our children and grandchildren grow. She's like a sister to me. You know that, right? I turned at the sound of James's voice. I'd been waiting for him in his office when I heard Helena's laugh and wandered to the door of the living room to watch her. With the wedding tomorrow, she was spending the night with her friends, but since she still wanted to keep us quiet, I was at the house for a business meeting. I glanced back into the room, then at James, and frowned. Who? Helena? James nodded, and he turned to gaze into the room, running his hands through his hair before bracing one on the door jamb. I've been debating whether to say something to you for a while. Pardon? I couldn't hide the shock in my voice 
or on my face. I've been out to the house a couple of times to do some repairs Garrison told me about. It didn't escape my notice that no one was ever there, and then when I went inside to replace something, I realized her stuff was gone. What makes you think she's with me? I hedged. He raised a brow sardonically. I heard you on the phone that day. You sounded just like I would if Leah had been missing, or Garrison if it had been Rose. I just didn't put two and two together until I saw the empty house. I faced him with my arms crossed over my chest, and my eyes narrowed. So, you're warning me off? James chuckled. Not at all. So calm your ass down. I only wanted to tell you that she's like family, and if you hurt her, you'll kill me. I get it. I started to dismiss him and returned to watching my girl, but halted when he spoke again. Not me, man. You'll have to contend with my wife. I'll just be there to help her hide your body. I couldn't help chuckling, because I knew it'd be the same for Helena and me. She was fiercely loyal and protective of her friends, and I wouldn't want to get in her way when she felt they were being threatened. Like James said, I'd just be there to support her and help her dig the graves. At the risk of your wrath, I have one more thing to say. I'd turned to the living room again, so I just swung my head in James's direction. I don't like seeing my wife hurt, and when she finally finds out about you two, she's going to be extremely hurt to have been left in the dark. I started to open my mouth, but he held up a hand and went on. I know you both well, and I'm certain it's Helena putting on the brakes. I sighed and dropped my head back in frustration. It's driving me crazy. The best ones are the ones who drive us the craziest. That's what Leah's grandpa used to tell me. I think it was because he knew I'd end up chasing Leah once she grew out of being the annoying little girl next door with a crush on me. What's your point, Locke? I asked with a sigh. This conversation wasn't helping with the problem at hand. In the interest of getting Helena to give in as quick as possible so that I don't have to see my wife be too hurt, I'm going to share something with you. He gestured for me to follow him and headed back to his office. Curious, I went with him. He rounded his desk and sat while I dropped into an overstuffed chair in the corner. Helena's childhood was messed up. Her parents had an oops, and while they didn't want kids, they made use of her as a trophy child. They trotted her out like a blue-ribbon pony whenever it would help their social status. I listened intently as James filled me in on her childhood and job and the fact that when she'd come out here to stay, she'd been ditching the cushy life she'd had. It made me feel even more like shit for my assumptions about her in the beginning. Thanks, I told him genuinely. You've given me something to work with. It's more than I had before. I stood and took a step toward the door, but stopped to look over my shoulder when James called my name. One more thing. I don't know what happened, and neither does my wife, but Leah insists that there had to have been a catalyst that pushed Helena to make this big change in her life. Nothing terrible, but Leah thinks Helena might be embarrassed by whatever it was, and perhaps that's why she hadn't told her. I nodded in acknowledgement and exited the office, making my way to the living room again. What I saw had me stopping dead in my tracks, and my heart seemed to cease beating. Helena was standing in front of the couch, swaying gently from side to side. She had little Emma wrapped up in her arms, 
and was staring down at her like she'd hung the moon. When she bowed her head and whispered a kiss over the sleeping baby's forehead, my heart jump-started and practically exploded with love and relief. I knew I hadn't read her wrong, and the look of longing and complete adoration on her face proved it. Somehow, I needed to break down the wall she'd built around herself. The information from James had given me a starting point, because now I had an idea of what those walls were made of. You might as well come in, Kensington, Leah said, startling me out of my thoughts. My head whipped in her direction, and I was shocked to see her roll her eyes and give me a knowing smile. Helena looked just as surprised as she stared at her best friend. You two think you're so sneaky. She shook her head. I know she hadn't been staying at the manager's house. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. She glared over my shoulder and pointed. And you? I glanced behind me to see James had appeared and was trying to put on an innocent air. You should have told me. You already knew, he argued. My head turned back to Leah for her response. You could get whiplash from watching these two banter. She dropped her hand and crossed her arms over her chest. Yeah, but you didn't know that. James maneuvered himself around me and into the room, then jerked his thumb in my direction. I wasn't the one hiding the relationship. Traitor, I mutter under my breath. He glanced back at me and gave me an unrepentant nod. You know it, brother. Would you stop discussing me while I'm standing right freaking here? Helena snapped. She carefully transferred Emma to her mother's arms, then narrowed her eyes at me with accusation. Her hands were hanging at her sides, but her thumb was rubbing along another finger. Something I'd noticed she did from time to time, though I wasn't sure what it meant. What? I asked, raising both my hands as though surrendering. Did you say something? Before I could deny it, Leah snorted and piped up with, Nobody had to say anything, Helena. The sexual tension between you two is thicker than molasses. Helena's cheeks heated even as she scowled, and it was so cute I couldn't help but smile. Then her face practically caught fire when Leah turned to me and asked, So what are your intentions with my bestie? Rather than giving my answer directly to Leah, I stared at Helena and drawled, I intend to marry her, have kids with her, grow old with her. Basically, spend the rest of my life worshiping her. Helena shook her head before throwing her hands in the air and stomping out of the room. Good answer, Kensington, Leah smirked. I knew I liked you. I smiled and nodded, then put my Stetson on my head and left through the kitchen. It was time to make a plan. Chapter 11 Helena I stared down at my hands in disbelief. How the hell had a bouquet of roses just landed in my grasp when I'd barely made a half-hearted attempt to catch it? Was the universe trying to tell me something? My head swiveled to my right, where I knew Stone was standing. He held the garter he'd caught loosely in his hand and waved it at me, even as he stared at me with penetrating brown eyes. One corner of his mouth tipped up, and panic took up residence in my chest, stealing all the oxygen. 
I pivoted on my heel and fled. The universe could suck it. I managed to slink off in the crowd and get to the barn unaccompanied. Was I being a total coward? You bet your ass. After Leah's little announcement the night before, I hadn't been able to get the look on Stone's face out of my mind. Then, after he'd gone and we were sitting out on the porch, enjoying the night, she'd brought it up again. That man is crazy about you, Helena. Crazy isn't good enough. The words had popped out of my mouth before I could stop them. And then it hit me like a freight train. Weeks of trying to clear my reticence over the whole stone situation and wondering why I couldn't commit. All it took was my best friend saying it out loud, and it was clear as day. Crazy wasn't love. I'd been on that path before with Howard. Despite the differences in the relationships, particularly the raw sexual attraction between Stone and me, there was one common theme. Both were missing the one thing that I wanted more than anything. I'd been searching for it my whole life. First from my parents, then from my fiancé, and now from Stone. I wanted someone to love me. To love me to the point where they couldn't live without me. To share a love like I saw between my best friend and her husband. I hadn't admitted it to myself, but I was hopelessly in love with Stone, and I knew I would never leave him. Even if he didn't love me, hopefully what we had would be enough to keep us together. Because without love, I wouldn't ever get married, and I would never bring a child into a home like that. So there I was, hiding in the barn like a chicken. I sat down on a small stool and leaned against the wall, trying to even out my breathing. I had almost succeeded when my peace was interrupted by Leah entering and looking around. When her gaze landed on me, she was frowning, and her blue eyes were swimming with hurt. I started to stand and ask what was wrong when she rasped, there is a man here to see you. Howard something? He claims he's your fiancé? It was the last thing I expected her to say, and my butt hit the stool as I dropped down again, shocked. I didn't know what to say. Leah's frown darkened when I didn't speak, but she didn't push it. She spun around and marched out of the barn. I suggest you come handle this before Stone beats the shit out of this guy. Oh, fuck. That got me moving lightning fast. I ran out and caught up with Leah. Stone knows he's here? Leah shook her head and kept up her pace. Not yet, so I'd haul ass and get this fiancé. She spat out the word and threw me another glare. Gone before Stone finds out. We both picked up speed and double-timed it back to the house. Howard was standing awkwardly on the back porch. His nose wrinkled at the smell and looking around at everything as though it was going to jump up and bite him. He was in his usual three-piece suit, perfectly pressed, with shiny shoes and glasses perched on his face. James was leaning against one of the posts by the steps, casually chewing on a piece of straw and fiddling with his phone. 
though he occasionally threw a dark look Howard's way, making him tense and back up a step every time. When Howard saw me, he visibly relaxed and started to come down the stairs. But on the last step, he hesitated before his foot hit the ground, staring at the dirt and mud, no doubt. Then he retracted it and stayed put. Howard, I sighed, what are you doing here? He smiled at me and held out his soft, manicured hand. When I didn't reach to take it, his gentle expression faltered for a moment, and he pulled it back. I came to take you back, Helena. I've given it a lot of thought while you've been gone, and I think we are too compatible to give up on our relationship. His arm extended again, this time in a fist, and when he opened it, my engagement ring was resting on his palm. I love you, he added, with his chest puffed up. After he said it, he looked at me as though he'd given me the best gift in the whole wide world. I was about to tell him to turn around and go when a thick, strong arm came around my waist, and I was hauled back against a hard, muscular chest. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to melt into him or break out of his hold and stand in front of Howard so Stone wouldn't kill him. If you loved her, you would never have let her go. Stone's voice was calm and held a deadly warning in it that I wasn't sure Howard would recognize. If he did, he ignored it, which revealed that while he was book smart, his common sense needed refining. I shouldn't have. I realize that now, Howard said with a serious and overly contrite expression. I didn't think he even realized how fake he was. Most of the people in my previous life were oblivious to the fact that nothing about them or their life was real. Real like the heat of the body holding me close. Real like the feel of Stone's work-rough hands running over my body. Real like the adoration I saw in his eyes whenever he looked at me. Although, after finding out about Howard this way, I wasn't sure it would still be there the next time our gazes met. Howard glanced down at the ground once more and lifted a foot, only to freeze when Stone growled. Not another step, city boy. The only thing keeping me from shoving that ring down your throat and breaking that stuck-up nose is the woman in my arms. So I suggest you don't come any closer to her, or I might lose my shit. James moved off the porch and came to a stop a few feet away from us. Although he put off the appearance of being ready to assist Stone, glaring at Howard like he was a bug to be squashed, I knew he was actually preparing to hold Stone back. Howard was exceptional at one thing and, as far as I could tell, one thing only. He was a fucking brilliant lawyer. None of us wanted Stone facing off with Howard in a courtroom after being charged with assault and whatever else Howard could come up with. You'd better go, Howard, I told him, not bothering to force any emotion into my voice. I didn't care about him, and I wasn't going to pretend I carried any remorse at breaking off our engagement. Howard looked stunned by my response, 
as though he'd never considered any scenario where I didn't say yes. He looked around with wide eyes before they returned to my face. You're not coming with me? The warning Stone issued with the subtle tightening of his arm was necessary. There wasn't a single part of me that even considered Howard's offer. I shook my head and gestured to the ranch around me. This is my life now, and I'm happy here. But, but, he sputtered. Your parents said if I made this grand gesture, you'd come back and- One more word and you'll be running from my bowls. Stone snarled. His free hand rubbed down my arm soothingly, obviously having felt me tense up like a statue. Howard had been in contact with my parents? Then it dawned on me. My mother had never been more interested in me than when she was planning my wedding. She'd been dirtied to make it the event to attend. Clearly, she was hoping I'd come back and give her the opportunity to be the center of attention in her circles by playing the part of mother of the bride in a spectacular wedding that would outdo the children of every one of her friends. The saddest part about that was that it didn't surprise me at all. What shocked me was that I didn't care. I only wanted one person's love and approval, and now I wasn't sure if I still had even one of those from him. James spoke up for the first time. Get the hell off my property, and don't ever come back. Howard finally listened and swiftly went back into the house. After a few seconds, an engine turned over and the sound of a car driving away. Leah's foot started tapping, and she glared at me, her arms folded. Explain. Why don't you let Stone handle this first? James suggested as he walked toward her. When she turned her furious blue eyes on him, he threw a look at Stone that seemed to say, you're on your own. Stone's chin bumped my head when he raised it to acknowledge James's silent communication. Helena Robinson, how the fuck were you engaged and I didn't know about it? Leah was shouting by the time she finished. I sighed and my thumb started rubbing my ring finger again until Stone grabbed my hand and laced it with his. If this finger was feeling empty, you should have let me put my ring on it, baby he murmured in my ear. I wasn't sure if he was insinuating that it was still an option or a warning that he was retracting his offer. It was just a moment of temporary insanity, I started. I guess I just wanted what you two have and hoped in time it would grow between Howard and myself. But it didn't, and I came to my senses. I broke it off right before I quit my job and moved out here. Leah stared at me for another moment, then nodded and sighed. I get why you did it, but not why you hid it from me. I was embarrassed. Even when I was still engaged to him, I knew what you'd say if I told you, and I was doing my best to keep my head in the sand about it. Then when it was over, I was kind of mortified that I'd done it in the first place. After a few beats, 
My friend's face morphed into an expression of understanding. I suppose I can understand all that. Then she trotted down the steps and tried to pull me in for a hug, which turned out to be difficult since Stone refused to budge. She rolled her eyes but didn't comment on his possessive display. She put her hand on my forearm and gave it a gentle squeeze. No more secrets, okay? I nodded vigorously. No more, I agreed. James had come up behind her, and he slipped an arm over her shoulders. With a meaningful look at Stone, he guided her back to the house. Once they disappeared, I expected Stone to let me go and either yell at me or leave me there. Instead, we stood in the same position for several minutes. His warm breath ruffled my curls, and the steady beat of his heart thumped against my back. Finally, Stone sighed and buried his face in my hair, inhaling deeply. Then he slowly turned me and held my face in his hands. I was so fucking mad when James sent me a text about that fucker. I wanted to kill the son of a bitch and then give you a reminder fuck of who you belong to. I was tempted to tell him I was all for the latter, but I sensed he wasn't done, and it wasn't the time for brevity. Then I held you in my arms, felt the way you melted into me. I knew you were mine, and it kept me from flying into a rage and doing something stupid. He dipped his head and brushed his lips over mine before continuing. After you explained everything to Leah, rather than staying pissed, I'm relieved. Because now I understand you so much better. Chapter 12 Stone I stared into Helena's beautiful face, and the plan I'd been trying to come up with suddenly formed. Immediately, I knew what I needed to do. Baby, I can understand why you don't trust in love or marriage. I even think I understand why you fear having children. However, you're just gonna have to live with me telling you I love you every fucking day for the rest of your life. Helena gasped and started to speak, but I shushed her and put a finger over her pink lips. As long as you're mine, I don't need anything or anyone but you. All I want is you. We'll do this any way you want, as long as it means that I'm by your side forever. Tears had welled up in her eyes, and they started to streak down her cheeks. I didn't like the sight of her crying, but I hoped like hell they were happy tears. What do you say? I asked, brushing the wetness from her cheeks. Will you be mine? Helena smiled so brightly I was blinded by it, bathed in its warmth. You love me? I nodded. I'm so sorry if you doubted that, baby. I should have told you before now, I apologized. I guess I didn't think that much about it, because I wouldn't ask a woman to marry me if I didn't love her. You love me, she breathed. This time it was a statement, but I responded anyway. More than anything. I love you too. She was bouncing on her toes as she exclaimed her declaration, 
I kissed her deeply, my hand sliding down and around to cup her sweet ass. Then I leaned back and grinned at her. Does this mean your answer is yes? She cocked her head to the side with a thoughtful expression. To which question? I narrowed my eyes at her playfully. Don't play with me, baby. Tell me you'll be mine. A sly smirk formed on her perfect lips. If I keep pretending I don't know what you're talking about, will I still get a reminder, fuck? I threw my head back and laughed so hard, tears leaked from the corners of my eyes. When I finally caught my breath and could speak again, I winked at her and promised, Baby, I'll give you as many reminder fucks as you want, whenever you want. Helena shivered and gave me a wicked smirk. I plastered on a fake frown and growled, Keep looking at me like that, and you're going to find yourself riding my cock out in the barn instead of at home in our bed. Was that a threat? She asked with an exaggerated eye roll. My response was to stare at her. We both knew I'd follow through with my promise. Her ocean blue pools sparkled, but her expression sobered. She moaned and leaned into my body, so we were pressed against each other everywhere. Then she wrapped her arms around me and tilted her head back to meet my gaze. Yes. Exactly. Good thing you've had so much practice screaming that word, I teased, before kissing the tip of her nose. Helena shook her head and laughed. No, smartass. Yes, I'll marry you. I frowned and cupped her cheek in the palm of my hand. Don't say that just because you think it's what I want. Isn't it? I want whatever makes you happy. I kissed her softly on the mouth, then each eyelid and her forehead. She closed her eyes and leaned into my touch. Then they fluttered open. Marrying you would make me even happier than I am now, she invited earnestly. Having our babies, growing old, all that stuff you said before, and everything else, those things would make me happy, make me complete. I studied her expression and probed her gaze, looking for a sign that she was placating me and this wasn't really what she wanted. But there was only sincerity and love shining from her beautiful face. I kissed her soundly, then grabbed her hand and started dragging her to my truck parked out front. Helena giggled and tugged half-heartedly. Aren't you going to officially propose? I stopped so suddenly that she bowled right into me, and I enfolded her into my embrace. You said yes, baby. Why the fuck would I ask again and give you the chance to say no? After another soul-deep kiss, I resumed my path. Where are we going in such a hurry? She asked breathlessly. Home first, so I can make love to my fiancé. Then, the courthouse, so I can bring you home and fuck my kid into my wife. I paused as I hit the remote to unlock the truck's passenger side door. I lifted her from the waist and set her on the seat. I started to back up and shut the door when her arm shot out and she twisted my shirt and her fist to keep me from going. Who says you need to fuck your kid and to your wife? I grinned and chuckled. You're right. I can just as easily knock up my fiancé. Helena shook her head, and a mysterious smile slid onto her face. I meant, 
Maybe the job is already done. This has been Ride a Rancher by L. Christensen. Read for you by Kit Swan and Matthew Maddox. Hey, lady listeners, we're back. How was that? Happily ever after. (laughs) Well, you got your happily ever after, but I did notice she did not put the epilogue in the Read Me Romance book because I'm right at the top of the thing. It said the book title and it said no epilogue. I'm like that. Fucker. <laughs> Maybe that's gonna be in the ebook. That's gonna, probably gonna be in the ebook. So if you want the epilogue, you're gonna have to get the ebook. Damn it! But it, but it did round you off. You are complete right now. But if you want a little extra, the epilogue is where it's gonna be at. Awesome. Okay. Also out today is Rules of the Game by Winter Renshaw. And she- yes, it's a football book. It should be in Kindle Unlimited. So it's football? Yeah. Right. It's a second book in her football series. Winter Renshaw was a past guest on the podcast. She writes some really good stuff. And She's the One by Ella Good. Ella Goody is out today. That was a book that was featured on the podcast last season. So run out and grab that one. It's all in Kindle Unlimited. And let me see what else. I think. Can you guys think of anything else you want to say? We'll be back. Oh, we'll be back next week with... His mimosa. Him, his mimosa. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. His mimosa. That cover is so pretty. I know. I love it. Is that who we have next what? week? This is by Jamie, right? Yeah. Yeah. I ja- believe Jamie Schlosser will be on the podcast next week with his mimosa. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. um, so we're really excited about that. I just adore her books. If you guys want to get a jump start on that, you should get all over that. She has one of her series is literally called The Good Guys. But I think my favorite book by her is The Outcast. It's about like the dorky guy who falls for the girl, but then he like goes away for the summer and he comes back <gasps> all buff. But he, but she didn't even not like him when he wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. She still, she had a crush on him before that, but it is just adorable. But the whole series is called The Good Guys. My favorite is Outcast. You can get it in Kindle Unlimited. It also has an audiobook. So if you're looking for something for this weekend, you can check that out. Fabulous. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, please. It helps us out a lot. Coach. And join us in Read Me Romance headquarters on my Facebook group. We are 8,000 strong in there, which 8, is 8,000 drama-free, yeah. happy romance <laughs> white ladies. It's the best. It's my favorite group in the whole world. And it's and not I think- because I'm in it. <laughs> Tessa started doing more videos in there. I think Leah was talking about doing that. Oh, I was? Oh, I thought you were something <laughs> no, about food. Kidding. No, yeah, I was talking. I'm I kidding. tried when I did a Facebook Live last week during on my week on the podcast. And I tried to bring Leah on. Mel, I didn't try to bring you on because oh. you were watching the Packers. But and you were like, no. Yeah, I, yeah I'm going to try and do it. I'm going to try and do more live videos. And yeah, they're uh, super fun. I think you guys liked it. So I'll do live videos if anybody wants to talk housewives. <laughs> I will get on there and answer fiance. your questions. Are you kidding? We should do it. We should do you a recap of 90 Day Fiance. Yes. Watch the <laughs> next episode and then don't talk about it. Do a live Facebook video and just well, it's it. It's over now. Bummer. Okay. Well, well I have to watch the last things. episode, and then we'll talk. Okay. Okay. All right, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye, guys. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read 